Live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. I've been watching a lot of TikTok, as I pointed out, and you all laugh at me. I've almost been here half my life. Wow, you're old. What are you talking about? You've been here know. more than half your life. Way more. You're old. True. I found out that it's actually R-E-A-D, not R-E-D. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Great spot for sports, Bar Canada. Come on down, pitcher specials on Heineken and Coors Light. Got the uh, Golden Knights Collector's Cup and the Golden Knights Puck Drop here in about 58, 59 minutes, 60 minutes, 61, 62 minutes, something like that. All right, big five time. Battled Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five. Adam, we got any update on the Canuck situation with COVID? If people haven't heard about it, 20 plus players and coaches from the Canucks. Yeah, they're ISO'd in Canada, but they got it and it's spread and it's been pretty vicious. What's going on here with their schedule? They're, they're working through a lot of it. To uh, I, I just saw an, actually an announcement from the NHL about some rescheduled games. I think there might be some more on the horizon. I think that's the issue with trying to wait it out because I don't know how long this is going to go. Feels like the Ravens sitch in, uh, in the NFL where you just had to wait and wait and wait to finally get some clean days back. And then each day there's a new positive test. And then every time you think, all right, now we can kind of reset the schedule and figure out where to go from here, and there's another setback. So uh, it's, it's difficult to try to figure that out. Uh, one source close to the Canuck situation said, uh, quote, this is the first wave of it where I've heard guys really question whether it's worth playing or not. Yeah. I, you know, we're at a point. Do they love the game? Exactly. Ryan, a- Ryan Day today, or in recent days, the Ohio State coach saying that uh, Justin Fields is a high-character guy, really loves the game, and he's not like those guys who opted out. They don't love the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, also, Fran Mill Ray is up at the, at the play right now here as we sit in Bar Canada, and I just keep thinking about he only swings at bad pitches and lets good pitches go right down the middle like the caller on that yeah. Cleveland show had just said. Explosion by a Cleveland um, TV host. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we are at a point where we're, like, we've talked about this every day, but we're so close, and it feels like we're through this coronavirus pandemic, but we're not, and everybody just kind of, kind of wants it to be over, and I get it. Like, I, I do too, and I'm fully vaccinated, and I just want – everything to be normal again but i know that we're just we're just so close to being there uh that we just you know just have to to get through a, a couple more couple more weeks really about two months until everybody's at that level of you know maybe 70 75 percent vaccinated but we're not there and you know, we see this case where it's gotten pretty bad we've seen a couple of cases of uh mma fighters who've gone through it very very bad uh alex volkanovsky who's the featherweight champion uh, kind of came out and detailed his struggles uh, in the last 24 hours. He's talked about it finally that he was hospitalized. He had to pull out of his fight last month uh, because he he got COVID and it wasn't like it was asymptomatic. He was coughing up blood, was hospitalized, and thought he was going to die. And he said, I thought I was supposed to be fine. I'm an athlete. Everybody told me that if you're an athlete, you're going to be fine and it's not going to affect you. Well, that's not true. And we're seeing some athletes we, we've heard with uh, with the Canucks situation that some of them are asymptomatic and doing fine, and some that have tested positive are in a very bad place right now. And so, yeah, I think you would look around, and if somebody if somebody is to 
you know, get seriously ill, I think players would say, like, what are we doing? Especially because Vancouver is a few points out of the playoff race right now. What are they playing for? Number four. Am I right in feeling like the NHL has had a rougher time with COVID for this season than the NBA? I think they have. Okay, so the NBA is managing their COVID situation a little better, or they've stepped into better luck. Are they really a better commissioner's office when they do stuff like this? They're going after Kevin Durant for DMs. Does this seem a bit invasive? Yeah. And what? And by the way, would the powers that be around the NBA like their private conversations to be under the same sort of scrutiny? Probably not. This uh, seems weird to me and overreaching. This one bothers me. Now, Fifty thousand dollar fine for DMs to this buffoon, whatever. What's his name? Rappaport. Come on. Uh, I will say they are they are bad. Like, yes, I don't think anybody's going to argue. Like, oh, this this is all he said, and he's in trouble. Like, they're bad. Like, but, like what bad? Uh, Sanitize. You know, is whatever the worst things you could think of <laughs> okay, well then, saying about you know hom- homosexual slurs and all right. why don't you you know do this to me and you know whatever. It was, it was they were really bad. But as you as you're saying, they're DMs. They were they were battling it out on DM, and now I shouldn't even say battling it out because Rappaport barely responded. But it was you know insult after insult after awful DM. And yes, yes. So this is for basically sure. this is this is a shot at a warning shot at everyone in the NBA and really everyone in sports. Your DMs and your text are fair game. Don't think you're in private conversations. You never really are. Yeah. Don't trust anyone. But but it should be. And this should not be, you know, if you post a public tweet, and I don't even think you should really have, you know, the the right to suspend somebody for that anyway. But if it's a DM, and, and what happened was there was a series of DMs, and Michael Rappaport screenshotted them and just put them out there into the public. And... You know, Kevin Durant said, hey, I'm sorry that this got out there, which is fine. He didn't say, I'm sorry that I said the things that I said, and people were upset about that. But he said, I'm sorry that these got out there. I didn't want, th- I didn't want these to be public. That's why they're DMs. Well, I, you know, I really have not gotten into the story because I just, I hate, I just, I can't stand Rappaport. It's just, it, this stuff is so old. Was his life threatened? Um, he, well, it was a, did, did it, he feel it like was he almost was in a, it was almost a meet me in Temecula situation. All right, but did, did he really, do you think he felt like he was in danger? Because that might be the reason to publicly out Kevin Durant, but I'm not sure short of that that, I mean, Rappaport's kind of a D-bag. Yeah, I think put, putting it out was ridiculous. Like if you're going to talk trash, and we're going to get in the gutter, like, you want to do this. Right. I'm sorry he, he made offensive statements. That sucks, Durant. But, like, there comes a point where, the, you know, you're you're getting into this with someone, and then and, and Durant, had, Durant or is it ninety something. Or is it 99% Durant-driven? And Rappaport was like, he was a victim. Well, it wasn't like Rappaport DM'd Durant and Durant responded. Durant was was DMing him because of stuff that Rappaport had said publicly uh, on television and on Twitter. Right. And he went after him and on, you know, on Instagram, I believe, as well. And he was going after him for that. Um, yeah, there's a level that it, it almost reached harassment level because it was like I, DM after DM after DM. But I still think that this, this should also be a rule for broadcasters and entertainers and whatever Rappaport is. Like, would you say that to someone's face? What if they see this? What will you do? Yeah. And we it, know what Rappaport will do. And I definitely don't think you should be putting them out there. But, again, even if somebody puts them out there, 
I don't think DMs that were never intended to be public should be should be able to be penalized. You shouldn't be suspended for that. Number three. Today's the day, right? Are you getting leaks? Everybody's, I mean. Spoilers, Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy. I've been looking forward to this. Let's listen to his intro here. Tough spot because, you know, he's trying to be kind of fiery for Jeopardy, but he's also trying to pay tribute to uh, Trebek. And now, here is the guest host of Jeopardy, Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Welcome to Jeopardy. As a lifelong fan of Jeopardy, it is an incredible honor to guest host. Now, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of amazing things, but winning Celebrity Jeopardy and getting to share the stage with the legend Alex Trebek is something I will never forget. Alex was such a gentleman, so smart, so precise. I was in awe, and I will work hard to honor his legacy. Scott, Brandon, Joe Beth, let's get into the Jeopardy round with these categories. Are you okay? I, I let's like, get to the game. I'd like more energy. Get to, I, I thought that first. Uh, and he first was nervous, time. and he, then he's trying to mix, like, hey, let's get fired up for the game show, but also pay tribute to Trebek. So I want to give him a break, but, like, I need more. He's incredibly nervous. You yeah, can I need tell. more. Come on. Yeah, there's not much energy there. Uh, and I just I felt like, let's just go. Come on. Let's go. Give me the game. I, I'm watching the game. Did I'm we, here for the game show. Did we already have a good moment in show number one? Ari was watching, and, uh, you know, he's got the illegal satellite on the building. And he clipped this. Scott? Did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? <laughs> that is a great question. Should, should be should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this uh, this game today, that's incorrect, and you're going to lose zero. Okay, not bad. Was thrown off. Had to react naturally came through i'm still not feeling the energy like i don't need leslie jones energy <laughs> no that wouldn't work on jeopardy i don't think it would but i need more well it's his first show okay i'm not excited about aaron Rodgers doing jeopardy and ruining one of the great franchises of all time uh but like maybe he grows into it a little bit i know that he has said he doesn't want this to be temporary he wants to be the full-time host of jeopardy uh, which is insanity. Um, Not at all. He's got the ability to do it. He's just got to be coached up a little bit. We'll see how he. We'll see if he gets better over the two weeks. He's got time. He's got time. To, he's got time to get better. And we also have only seen the bad intro and the awkward making fun of him in the uh, in the final Jeopardy. We'll have to see how he does on the show as a whole. Like it's already happened. It's out there. People have seen it on the East Coast. We haven't seen it here uh, in Vegas. I'll be watching that tonight. Number two. Boy, oh boy, what a weekend for a former uh, Oakland Raiders lineman getting his ass kicked at what, a Walmart? Boy, that was rough. Bruce Campbell? Huh? Okay, so I watch this video, and I see people saying, hey, it's a former Raiders lineman. Uh, he's 6'7", 310. I'm watching, and I, like, I'm like, okay, this didn't go well for him. Like, he didn't use his distance well. He probably should have just closed space and crunched the guy. Uh, if, that really, if that dude really was 6'7", 310, the other guy was probably... 63300 he was a pretty big guy yeah um yeah so the former raider gets knocked out except that not him it's not him yeah but it went viral and really took off for a day or so i it, and it seemed believable because the guy now again we're it's in your head that this person 67310 and the guy was just gargantuan but man he just started throwing his hands wildly and the shorter guy got inside and not only did he knock him down multiple times get him on uh, rubber legs, but then when he was down, I think he might have hit his head. 
Uh, he broke his jaw. He's like pounding him on the ground. I was like, man, that's that's a rough break for a former football player. But it's not it's not him. It looked like he got knocked out like four times. Yeah, he kept he kept I he kept getting that just rocked and then awakened by more shots. There was a couple things I loved about this. First of all, it was that everybody just kind of cleared the area at you know, the self check for Walmart. I uh, I don't like the self check, but Maybe it actually either. turns out it's a pretty damn good boxing ring. It's good. It, it's too big. There's a lot, of, a lot little, of space to move it's around. It's a lot to manage. But, yeah, there was plenty of space, and everybody kind of cleared out of the way and, for it. And I'll tell you the other thing. Watching someone get repeatedly their head slammed into one of the registers and the displays, that's not safe either. Probably not. Maybe some padding if you're going to make it into a boxing ring. Well, I don't think that was the intended purpose of Come that on, area. Walmart. Get it together. Uh, for sure. But I think but the other. Now that's it. Don't you have to anticipate that? No. I don't know. I think everything should be padded in a Walmart for fights. I think there shouldn't be any sharp edges. Definitely the toy section. I, just, just everything outside. Sure. Okay. Just more, more safety measures. It seems to be Fair. a breeding ground for just mass fights, brawls. You know, bad outfits, yoga sure. pants out of control. Sure. Just, just, but we love you. Um, I think the, the my other favorite thing about this is I've never seen a clip on the internet that more people sent to me. Oh, really? Which I, I think is, like, my demo would be Walmart fights and Raiders, <laughs> I guess. So you combined And them. it's not an actual Raider, but yeah. Supposedly I Supposedly mean, combined. Th- my, my phone, like, lighting up all day, and I was like, what, what is this? And then after a while, I was like, every time my phone would ring, I'd be like, or, you know, a text would go off, I'd be like, it's another person sending me this video. I know it is. This is crazy. I, I love that that's my demo. I thought the short guy was a pretty solid fighter. Yeah. Like, I understood that he had a close distance because he had a reach disadvantage. You get inside, the big fella can't defend himself, use some uppercuts, you get him, and they, it just seemed like the big guy's arms were out and just kind of flailing side to side while he was getting punched in the grill repeatedly. The big guy was nowhere close to good enough to be challenging him no, in the way I, that he did. And that that was the thing. is the beginning of the video, and Ari just sent this out on ESPN Las Vegas. Um, the beginning of the video, you're like, okay, that guy's gigantic, and I can't see the other guy, so he must be like some tiny guy. And then the guy comes around the corner, and I'm like, he's pretty big. Like, you yeah. better be able to fight. Because you know six seven three ten against me, like I'm dead. Six seven three ten against six three three hundred. That's a good matchup. Yeah, and if you're potentially, if, if you, just a word of advice to people out there, like if you're going to stand in that self check area, that massive space that they have at the Walmart, and just call somebody out that's a big dude, you better be able to handle yourself because this guy was one of the worst street yeah. fighters I've ever seen. He, he kept he kept going to the open. Like there's obviously a space to get out of the. The checkout area. I think you've got to you've got to try to turn it, get them into a corner, then start using the corners and the machines. And instead, it, it got turned on him. You didn't think his ring control? I his, didn't think he his ring, ring generalship. His ring generalship was no. It was not good. I couldn't give him a round. <laughs> no, he stunk. Of course, there wasn't a second he's round. A, no, he's a terrible <laughs> fighter. He's not good at all. Number one. Fighting in public at stores is not good, not safe. It's not funny. Cut it out. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. All right, NFL drafts coming up here in, what, like 24 days. And what do I say about the mock drafts, Adam, every year? You guys all just feed on each other and cannibalize, and we wind up getting like two or three candidates from the entire world for a slot. Do we have a consensus now with the Raiders? Maybe not a player, but a position. It seems like people are settling on offensive tackle. Uh, that seems. I mean, that seems to be the direction a lot of mock drafts are going. Uh, I put together a roundup of about ten, not about ten, exactly ten mock drafts 
uh, from around the internet and, and who uh, you know people thought might be taken. Uh, Christian Derisaw showed up on three of these uh, mock drafts that I did out of the ten, so 30%. Uh, Trayvon Morig, actually the safety out of TCU, probably the only first-round caliber safety in the draft, uh, went in two of them. Uh, and that's that's an intriguing one because it's it's the other position of need besides right tackle that we think the Raiders are going are in need of a starter for, and that they could target in the draft. Although I don't think safety is probably where they want to uh, where they want to have a they don't want to have a rookie playing safety in this system uh, for sure. Uh, there was also a uh, Tevin Jenkins was on two of them. Uh, Jason Owe from Penn State was on one. Uh, so edge edge rusher is probably something that the Raiders could still use, even though they invested in that area in the offseason. Uh, but I think offensive tackle uh, is probably the most likely place that they go, and that seems to be where mock draft, where the mock drafts also are kind of coagulating. We're going to do another one of our path to the draft spots today. We're going to check in with the Patriots. Mike Reese from uh, ESPN is going to be coming on Cofield and Company. It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. Presented by Weed Sellers. WeedSellers.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Yep, the best in beer, wine, and bourbon. Weed Sellers, you heard it. C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. We're hanging out at the D, Bar Canada, checking out Golden Knights hockey in just a little bit. National title game. Obviously keeping an eye on what's going on around the NFL. Sam Darnold. Gone from the Jets, so we want to talk a little Teddy Bridgewater and kind of connect it to the Patriots. Maybe there's a connection. Mike Reese does an awesome job for ESPN covering the Pats, and he gives us a couple minutes here in Vegas. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me tonight. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, I want to get your reaction to Darnold and uh, and Bridgewater and this whole mix, and maybe if it you know pertains to the Patriots. I have to say right off the bat, I was looking on your Twitter account. You were just answering people, you know, some questions. Dude, you're like the most polite person I've ever seen on Twitter. You, you uh, understand Twitter. We're supposed to fight, Mike, on oh, Twitter. Come man. on. I love the interaction on Twitter, and, and I have a rule, a personal rule, is I can never get upset with someone on Twitter, you know, like because I, I'm like, if this was a face-to-face interaction, it would be completely different. So I try to treat it like face-to-face interaction. Plus, I've always thought, you know, it's pretty cool that someone in the world actually cares to ask me a question. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like in the end, who am I? And someone's reaching out to so try yeah, to be polite to him, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. All right, Mike. Let's let's see. Uh, well, first of all, I want to get your opinion on the haul the Jets got for Darnold. What do you think? Well, I think they did pretty well, given that I, I was starting to wonder if they waited too long. You know, like it was sort of obvious to me that they were moving on from Sam, you know, months ago. And as a lot of these deals sort of came down the, you know, the pike, like the 49ers moving up to three. And I just, I was wondering if they were going to sort of be left with nothing, you know. And because I I wasn't sure if Carolina would want to hold out for Deshaun, you know, when all was said and done, Deshaun Watson. So I actually think the Jets did pretty well to get what they did for Sam. Bridgewater should be available. Uh, if that's the case, how robust will the market be, and is there a chance the Pats want to jump in on Teddy Bridgewater? I, I, I think the, the market there would probably be dictated by the finances. I, I, I find it hard to believe, if I have his contract right, that a lot of teams would be lining up to acquire him 
at his present contract. So I think it's going to be contract first, and then we'll find out, you know, which teams are interested because um, at that number, guys, like I, I think it ends up being Carolina probably having to release him, wow. and then I think you'd see teams lining up to sign him as that quality sort of backup guy to protect you in the event, you know, your starter goes down. Yeah, I think he's due like 39 mil over the next two years. I don't know the Patriots' numbers offhand. No what do the Patriots no have way. in terms of room? They would never and, do that. And could they – so then could you re- renegotiate? Uh, this money stuff gets crazy. Like, could they drop him down? Could they interest him in taking less money? So that's always tough. I mean, I, I think, to me, the way the Patriots operate, I would think, you know, they obviously – they could do that. I think the the easier way for them would be – let the Panthers do the hard work, which is letting them go, and then letting the market sort of dictate where the numbers come in. Uh, you know, hey, look, if the Patriots don't want to negotiate against themselves for Teddy Bridgewater, let us know what the competition is, what, what does the market bear, and then we'll see if we even want to be in on that. I, I saw one of, your, one of your tweets that said, hey, this probably takes the Panthers off the list of teams that might take a quarterback in front of the Patriots in the first round. Do you, does it? I mean, couldn't they couldn't they still draft a first round quarterback to develop behind Darnold? I think that's a really fair point. I, I was just looking at it from the financial standpoint. It, you know, the next they're committed to Sam over the next couple years, and you know, I'm thinking if they then commit the financial resources of that top ten pick to another quarterback, when to be honest, guys, like they're still building. Like, so you're t- you're talking about the picks you're giving up to get Sam. And then using a choice pick, your best pick, on the same position, like I'm not sure that fits in your team-building sort of model, but then you could push back on me and say, well, no position's more important than quarterback if you think you can protect yourself with, you know, a future star at number eight, and, you know, if Sam balls out, then you have a, a high-class problem. you got two quarterbacks. I mean, you could probably sell me on that, but... I think I, I would say the odds to me of Carolina doing that would be lower taking a quarterback. So I'd give it 80-20 odds, let's say. Mike, we talked about you being polite on Twitter. Now you're being polite to us when we're making, you know, making dumb points. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's see. Let's that see. Is, was that the mission here? We're trying to be as dumb as possible well, to get Mike to snap on I it? I was setting it up because let's see if we change it now. Okay. Uh, I, I, I have to tell you that my first thought when all the Deshaun Watson stuff came out was, Patriots are trading for him. They don't yeah. care. They're going to trade for him. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 when Casario went down there, Nick Casario is their new general manager. He was the longtime Patriots director of player personnel. I, I sort of made a joke, you know, like Casario had a statement. I could never thank the Patriots enough <laughs> for everything they've done for me and my family. And my joke was, yeah. well, there is something you yeah. could do, Nick. <laughs> There is, actually. His name is Deshaun Watson. Um, but I would say that given everything that's gone on legally for Deshaun, um, I would say that that takes him off the table right now for the Patriots. I mean, it's obviously going to be a, a, a much discounted market. Couldn't you just make the deal and be like, hey, listen, whatever we have to deal with in terms of suspension or anything like that, that's fine. But we're going to get a great quarterback whenever he can actually play again. I think you could. I, I just think the Patriots... I would guess just given the issue at, at play and, and my thought on what ownership has as negotiables and non-negotiables in terms of acquiring players, like given the facts we know right now and the situation, like I think it would be hard for ownership 
to sign off on that. Football-wise, Bill Belichick might say, well, this would be a great thing for us, but I think you're talking about trying to preserve something bigger than just what you get on the football field from the ownership perspective. I think they'd have a tough time with that. By, by the way, I mean, the, the elephant in the room is it's also a horrific look for Robert Kraft after all the masseuse stuff he was involved in. Then you get, even if, even if uh, you know, Watson is clear of charges, he's going to like 50 different masseuses. I mean, the jokes and the, you know, the, the nonsense around that, I'm sure it's something they want to stay away from. So we don't have odds on this in Vegas, but if, there's, if there are odds somewhere on Will the Pats take a quarterback with the 15th pick? I would bet a lot on no. What do yeah. you think? Are they? It's not Belichick style, is it? At 15 to take a quarterback? Well, so I, I actually agree with you. The only thing I would say is I'm always careful of saying they won't do it because that's not Belichick's way. <laughs> like right. free agency is a great example, right? Like right. they go nuts, open the vault in free agency, and they had never done that before, but they sort of viewed it as a unique opportunity for a roster that had a lot of holes, and so they did something that they've never done before. So I can never say never, and I always tell the story. Back in 2005 when I was covering the team, you know, I was trying to do the same thing, and I said, look, they're picking at 32. They just won their third Super Bowl in four years, and, you know, we don't know what Belichick's going to do with the 32nd pick but we can probably say with certainty they won't take a guard. He doesn't <laughs> value that position. With the 32nd pick, the Patriots select guard, Logan Mankins, Fresno State. And I'm like, you know what, I'm never going to fall into that trap again. So I've held true to that, you know, that sort of line of thinking ever since. Mike Reese covers the Patriots for ESPN. He's part of our path to the draft as the Pats are up on the board on Cofield and company. If they're just your personal opinion... Uh, is there a quarterback that you think will be available at 15 that you like? Like, do you like anyone who may slip a little bit? So I, I'm going to throw you a curveball and say the quarterback that I really like for the Patriots is Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and I say that with conviction because he was here. And I don't think they would trade the 15th pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, but I look at it like I'm sort of a, a, along your line of thinking of they probably won't go quarterback go a different position, and then you get to the second round and, you know, makes sense to think you, you go to the 49ers who will have picked a quarterback at three and say, how's this 40, you know, mid-40 pick look for you? Would you consider dealing, you know, would you consider taking that pick and we'll take Jimmy off your hands? Because I always say, you know, Jimmy was the succession plan for Tom Brady. It was just that Tom outlasted it, which they never thought would be the case. So to see that succession plan come back, to me it's the most clear thing um, in the draft, it's, it's a lot of guesswork, and there's really no certainty there. I think Jimmy, if they could keep him healthy, which is a huge if, um, I think that, to me, would be the best, most decisive answer for them. What are the biggest needs in the draft for the Patriots? So a lot of their, they filled a lot of their short-term needs in the free agency with all the spending, so a lot of their needs are going to be looking ahead. Like at cornerback, they have Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson, two outstanding corners, you'd say, what do you mean? They're gonna, they would pick a corner in the first round? Well, they're both in the last year of their contracts. So that's sort of the, what you're looking at from the Patriots, like cornerback, another receiver, and this is a deep class. But they, they haven't done that well with receivers over the years in the draft. And I think you have to put it on there, quarterback of the future. Well, we don't think they're going to do it until they find that guy that's definitely the quarterback of the future. That's always going to have to be part of the discussion and throw a linebacker in there as well. Mike, that was awesome. We appreciate the time. We know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much. 
is this the part where I don't get polite and I just start yelling at you guys and be Please. like, yeah, you know? Like, just, hang, just, just hang up. What a terrible interview. Yep. <laughs> just click. You guys just, are awesome. Just, I had a blast. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, just <laughs> thanks, click guys. it. Just, just click the phone. And we're like, okay. He got pissed. He doesn't fit here. Nah. <laughs> Too nice. Nah, he is a nice guy. Uh, he does a good job of covering the Patriots. I'm, I'm still kind of blown away based on Garoppolo's actual performance, not his win-loss record, that he could fetch a second-round pick with this contract. I mean... And, that, and, and, and uh, maybe I'm not objective, Adam. And yet, Darnold hasn't done as much as Garoppolo on the field, and he certainly hasn't won like Garoppolo. Man, but he makes no money right now. He's going to have to make money in a couple of years. But Darnold got a future second. Not We don't know if it's going to be a good second because Carolina might be good. Darnold got a second, a fourth, and a sixth, and Garoppolo making like $27 million a year is going to get a second. If the Patriots actually give up a second for him, I mean, obviously it would tell you a lot about what they think of him. And didn't we just talk to Mike about Teddy Bridgewater at two years and $39 million left? Were they going to afford Garoppolo? So then that would that would be a, like a certainty that Garoppolo would go and then extend his deal out, right? He's yeah, the guy. Would, yeah, you would think so. And they're going to have to stretch out all the money. Sure, you would think so. Um, if they did it, I, I, would, I think it would say a lot about what the Patriots saw of him when he was there if they actually do make that move. If they were willing to give up that much – for that contract, it would say that the they really did believe when believe in him when he was there. Man, and you know it's going to sound weird because I don't feel like the NFL has a like a West Coast East Coast thing where you know we know people don't watch Gonzaga; they're just not exposed. Right. But I I do get the feeling that like a lot of people in the Northeast haven't watched Garoppolo real closely in San Fran, and yeah. when he if if he is traded for a second and lands. With the Patriots where, and there's pressure with the Niners, but there's a lot of pressure here with Belichick. I mean, this is it. He's got like three years left. You and people so. start examining what Garoppolo can and can't do. It's going to be really interesting if he lands with the Patriots. Well, it's, it's a lot of people just looking at the standings and being like, oh, wow, Niners, when he's playing, they play, you know, they win games. This is this must be really good. He took them to the Super Bowl. Could, you argue, could you argue that Belichick has been building a team that is a match for Garoppolo? Sure. He fits what they want. What you know? What they kind of need there, right? Like, High end, tight end play, two different targets. I mean, I think they have some deep threats. I'm not even sure I would qualify Aguilar as like just a deep threat. He's not. Huh, not good, anymore. Good player. Certainly had a good year with the Raiders. They might have overpaid for him. But right, this is fascinating. Bridgewater's on the market. There's not that many easy you know places that need a quarterback. I would love to know whether Belichick really is comfortable going into a season again with Cam Newton as the quarterback. You wouldn't think so. He brought him back. But I also I wouldn't be comfortable going in with freaking Cam Newton and a rookie quarterback. No. But he's the one that brought him back, so he must have seen something. He must like him. Yeah. What about – man, so Den- Denver might have some leverage here because I think Chicago's too stupid to get involved on Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sorry, that sounds mean, but – what suggests to you that they know what they're doing at the quarterback position? Nothing. Denver. I mean, is Philly, is Philly really that all in on Jalen Hurts? I don't. I don't believe so. But they're playing it like they are. All right, let's get some picks. We'll give out some picks for the national title game. We got Gonzaga and Baylor going at it a little after six o'clock, and uh, pregame is right here in about nineteen minutes. 
Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. A mile high. And, of course, Tim Anderson will catch it. You know what? He'd catch it if it was underneath the halo, but it's called off. He should have caught it. He should have let him catch it. The halo score a run, and it's bouncing around like Little League Baseball. Rendon moves up to second. Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Angels, the beneficiary of uh, less than stellar defense. John Von Tobel is with us. He's an L.A. fan. What's up, John? Dude, what a series, huh? Three out of four from the Chicago White Sox. Shohei Otani showing all the tools. Ah, oh, it's been great. Good, good four days. Good four days. Uh, you and I have both been kind of uh, down on Shohei Sundays uh, in terms of him pitching because it ruins uh, him out of the lineup a couple of days. But now if he's going to hit, if they're going to let him hit DH on Saturday and then pitch on Sunday and hit Sunday, I think it works. Yeah, like Adam, that's, and I would agree with that, right? If that's going to be the plan, that I'm totally down with this. And all indications were right through spring that they were letting him handle it the way he wanted to. You know, famously gets the blister. In his one of his last appearances in spring, with them, they let him hit the next day, all that kind of stuff. So, if this way it's going to happen, then for sure. But you're right. Like under Sochan, what they were doing initially, which was essentially taking him out of the lineup two, three days potentially, that's just not going to fly when you see the talent that he's got with his bat. And even think about it too. Like it was a solid performance. He touched 101 cut like that one time and had some really fast pitches. But he also showed a little bit of a lack of commands, right? And maybe that comes with more time on his arm, but. And Madden let him kind of work out some of the issues. Didn't really work him out. He ended up having to pull him after he got taken out of the plate. But it was a really cool performance. It was cool to see what he could contribute to on both sides. But at the same time, you know, we should keep it in perspective that it wasn't the most amazing appearance for a starting pitcher. Well, he did have the highest, uh, the highest miles per hour right. pitch by a starting pitcher this season, and the uh, highest exit velocity on a uh, on a home run of any p- player this season in the same game, that's got to be a pretty impressive feat. Oh, of course. That was freaking ridiculous. And, dude, like the most pristine bat crack I have ever heard. Like I was actually straightening up some stuff in the kitchen, and I heard it, and I'm like, that's gone. And then I heard Otani thing. <laughs> oh, dude, it was, it was freaking awesome, man. He's, he's really cool. The fact that the Angels have him and then, you know, you get to watch him alongside Mike Trout. It's great. So hopefully they actually make it to the freaking post. Any, uh, any trends you see emerging in baseball early on in the season here? So I've been watching. I haven't been tracking too much. You know, I've watched that Angels-White Sox series pretty closely. So the one thing I'm interested in that I have seen is, like, the White Sox defensively and the White Sox bullpen. Like, is that something that just popped up through four games? Or is that something that's going to be something like kind of hampering them throughout the season? Again, it's a short sample size, and it's only, like, a small observation. But, like, tonight – playing the Mariners, uh, you know, I'm going to be in studio at Beeson. We're going to be keeping track of all these games in the National Championship game. It's going to be something I want to watch once they get to the bullpen. If those bullpen are going to be something to keep track of for Chicago as we go forward. Uh, here at Circus Sports, where we are sitting at the D, Gonzaga, four and a half, one fifty nine and a half. the total. Where are you looking? Hey, I'm at uh, I'm at Circa right now. I'm inside the sports book. Oh, in our brand new studio. I'm so close. Uh, so, I kind of I like Baylor here a little bit. You know, Adam, we've talked about this. We've talked about it on the network a lot. You know, these lines are super tight. So you're not finding a lot of value. I was thinking about going in-game, hoping that Gonzaga maybe gets out to a little lead and I can get something a little bit better with Baylor and they can stay back in it. I just really like what Baylor brings to the table when it comes to the backcourt and guys like Davion Mitchell able to create their own looks. 
like Johnny Juzang got a lot on contested jumpers against Gonzaga. But I think the difference with Baylor is that they can actually finish at the rim. They have a whole bunch of guys. David Amitzel is worth so much attention that he kicked it out to open shooters. He's a better facilitator than a guy like Johnny Juzang. And I think, too, defensively for Baylor, they have enough stout guys that if they're going to try to switch a little bit more like UCLA did, UCLA was getting bullied with Timmy and other guys inside. I just don't know if that works against Baylor. So I do think that the Bears are pretty wise tonight from a side perspective. Uh, I know you are an NBA guy, so uh, we'll talk a little bit of NBA. But the biggest story is Paul Pierce going on IG Live. <laughs> what did you think? I mean, so I understand if you are, let's say, because I know Rachel Nichols' name came up. Like, if you're Rachel Nichols and it makes you feel uncomfortable. And I would assume that there is some clause in his contract that says that he can't do something like this that puts the company in a bad light, and ultimately he gets let go today. I, I just I didn't see anything that was a fireable offense. I can understand if you didn't appreciate it and did not like the way he carried himself 100%, but I didn't see anything that was worth losing the job over, but apparently ESPN saw it a different way. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You, know, you work for Disney. You can't have a stripper party on IG Live. I think that's the bottom line. And uh, the Rachel Nichols thing is, is really unfair to everyone involved here because right. for those that don't know, he's hosting an IG Live. He's got strippers all over the place at his place, but his wife is also there. And then he appears to be smoking weed. Might not be. Maybe it was a cigar or something. I'm not sure. He does appear to be smoking weed. And then a commenter just pops in with, where's Rachel Nichols at? Which is like, <laughs> you can't control what commenters say on your broadcast. And then Rachel Nichols starts trending on Twitter because of that. So yeah. I get where there's like... Wait, did he respond? No. He, did no. He, he didn't say she's not... Rachel Nichols is not here. No. He no. never was, he never mentioned her name? No. Just a comment in the Instagram live chat, Steve. That's all it said. It was one comment, where's Rachel Nichols, and it took off on Twitter. Yeah. And so, like, my immediate thought was, like, man, when we're doing live streams, we have a lot of comments that we don't endorse or support necessarily. Like, so now you're in trouble for what people comment on? It's crazy. I don't know. It's a tough one. Uh, what about uh, NBA, NBA? There's only one game left that hasn't uh, tipped off yet tonight, John. Suns and Rockets? Uh, yeah, and I think was that up to like 15 now. John Wall's not going to play, so the Suns are laying in the door like you know, just a massive price. Look, I was saying this: the Rockets have remember, keep in mind, like over the last two weeks, they've covered numbers like this. Two weeks ago, 19 and a half point favorite against Utah. Just last week, what like four days ago, catching 13 against the Brooklyn Nets. Actually, had a big lead that they blew, but ultimately covered with their last six bucket. Uh, by the way, after the Nets dribbled it out on the possession prior, I feel like that's a very big violation of a gentleman's agreement. But other than that. Uh, look, I, I think it's just a massively inflated number that I think you'd rather be on the side of Phoenix or Houston than anything else, you know? John Montobo, VSIN, part of the company, is with us. He's over at Circa right now. We're at the D. We're all downtown. John's got a show coming up on VSIN. What were you planning on betting in the title game if UCLA had made it with your, uh, your futures ticket? Oh, well, I mean, I, I think I would do something similar to what I did actually with that ticket, which was in-game just kind of, like, I was going to sit on it, Steve. Like, I was just going to sit on it right through. But that was a really tight game with Gonzaga, you know. So I actually got in money line under two bucks on Gonzaga and got a little off of it. So that, you know, helped me hedge off of it. And if that was going to be the case, then I was going to definitely just do the exact same thing. You know, wait for an in-game opportunity potentially or just ride it all the way through because, like, when the other side is that big of a favorite. And, again, like, hedging is such a personal thing. It's not like a life-changing amount of money that I would have won. So that's why I was comfortable riding it, it even if I didn't get a better opportunity. How much, how much were you going to win? It was 75-1. to What would you bet? I just put that 20 bucks on it. All right. So we're looking at yeah. $1,500. What would you do, Adam, if they were in the finals? And you've got, like, uh, you know, you've got Baylor, like, minus 
270 on the money line. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably be doing the same thing John was. Maybe not that high. Look maybe, for, maybe low. Whatever, 230. I've been trying to look for in-game opportunities to try to get off of it. I pretty much have just become, like, I'm just middling things now. That's that's really all I'm trying to do. So uh, you, root, you root for if uh, you got UCLA 75, the one in the title game, you need you need a quick start by UCLA so then the money line on the Baylor side could drop to something more yeah, palatable. The only way you can't find, you're not going to find a good number, and what I mean is, like, comparable to the opening number, is if it's, like, 21-2. If it's what Gonzaga did to USC to start that game, then, right. you're screwed. then you're screwed. But for the most part, you're going to find a spot where you can get a, a good number. Yeah. And keep in mind, too, by the way, the, the money line price are kind of Gonzaga. Like, I, I decided to jump on that, like, late second half. Like, it was all game that you were just kind of sitting there knowing you get an opportunity, and I kind of got a little risky with it. Eventually got on two bucks, so that's what I hit, at least. Nice job. All right, John, we'll talk to you. Have fun tonight. See you, guys. So we're all watching the national championship game. At least John and I are at two different locations. He's at Circa. I'm at uh, the D. I'll be here for the hockey game as well. They've got pitcher specials on Heineken, on Coors Light. It's Bar Canada. It's upstairs, second floor at the D. So come on down and check things out. You are doing what? I'm going meeting friends in Henderson. Is that right? Yes. All right. We won't mention where, but uh, you can look around Henderson, and Adam Hill will be out there. Yeah. Thanks to the D for hosting the show. Good job, Ari. Excellent show with guests today. We'll see you tomorrow bright and early. 2 o'clock bright and early.